Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, Ministry of Greater Works Christian Church, right here in beautiful Lancaster, California. I am your host, Robert Enos. Here, I will discuss theology, doctrine, politics, social and cultural issues, pretty much anything I feel like talking about. But basically, I flip tables. Please remember to download each episode. That's very important. Download each episode. Hold on tight. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Hope you all have been listening to my podcast, the last few podcasts. I dealt with COVID-19, especially the uh, shot, and talked about some of the things, the issues, the problems associated with that shot, and just COVID in general. And I also read and cited articles and such that were written by um, medical doctors and people in the field, not just my opinion. However, they have agreed with my opinion, or I should say I have agreed with their assessment of these things. And... um, you know, this whole idea, this concept of what we've had to deal with for the last few years with this COVID and the shutdowns and the shots and the doctors and Fauci and the government and, and all of this has been really nonsense. And a lot of it has been. I, I remember when uh, Trump came out originally and said, oh, this is all a hoax. And then he got pretty much blasted by everybody. And he backed off from that. And now we're beginning to realize that truthfully, much of it it is a hoax. I mean, don't get me wrong. There is really a virus. There truly is a virus. And uh, untreated, it can be deadly in certain people, at least initially. It's mutated so many times now that it's pretty much a cold. But there were treatments out there that were denied. They were denied by our government, by our medical uh, community. There were treatments that had already been in place for many, 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 many years that could have saved a lot of people. But everybody's waiting for that COVID vaccine. You know, it was gonna be it was gonna be the salvation of us all. And then lo and behold, here it is, it's killing people. So, anyways, go back and listen to the last maybe four podcasts if you've missed them. Uh, they all have, you know, COVID-19, this, that, or the other thing in the title. So please check it out. So today, what I want to do is for this particular episode. I want to talk to you from uh, a message, a sermon that I preached at my church last uh, this last Sunday, which would have been uh, January 15th. So Sunday the 15th, I preached this in my church, and I'm not going to give you it word by word because I'm on this podcast, and I had, you know, I have all day there, but it took me about 45 minutes to an hour to get out the message here. I'm not going to do that. I want to get to some nut, to the uh, meat of it and put it in a nutshell, so to speak. Um, But the title of it was 2023, A Different Spirit is Needed. Now, you Christians out there, I'm not talking about some different spirit other than what's spoken of in the Bible, the Word of God, Holy Spirit, okay? I say these things sometimes and people get all bent out of shape. Just chill, take the chill pill, and, and just listen and hear it, all right? Now, this message was taken out of Numbers, uh, primarily from Numbers 13, and this is the story where the Israelites have left Egypt and they got to the border of the Promised Land, and they're pretty much ready to go in, or at least so they thought. And it says here in Numbers 13, verse 1, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. 
So these 12 spies, one from each tribe, was to go into the land that they were that what they were to inherit, that they were going to possess, and just spy it out, check it out, and then come back with a report. What's it like? And what I believe this was for, on God's part, God knew already knew what was going on. He was kind of setting things in motion so things can be revealed uh, to Moses, to the children of Israel and such. So he already knew. But as far as Moses was concerned, this was more about spying out the land to, to so they could come and develop a strategy on how to enter the land and take the land. So these 12 go in. And that was verses 1 through 3. Now, I'm going to drop down to verse 25, Numbers 13, verse 25 through 27. It says, they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now, keep that in mind. They were in there for 40 days, and they returned. Verse 26, now when they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So, a little again, a little backdrop. They bring back some fruit that they had grabbed uh, on the other side of the river, and in there they grabbed some of the fruit. And if you keep reading, basically th it was great fruit. They, when they say the land was flowing with milk and honey, that means it's such a blessed a blessed land, very fruitful, very fertile for farming and, and and cattle and livestock and such. They brought back the fruit and some of the grape clusters, again, you'd have to read this whole chapter, but the grape clusters were so large that they had to be carried between two men on a pole. So it can, if you can imagine 12 spies coming back with all kinds of grapes, figs, pomegranates, whatever was in season, and so much and so big and so juicy and so sweet that it just mesmerized everybody. And he says, it's truly a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, here's the twist in the story. So that was verses 25 through 27. Here's the twist in the story. And this is verse 28 and 29. Again, if you just keep reading it, you pick this up. It says, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land. Okay, now I want to stop right there for a moment. Now, I, I say this at the church quite a bit. One of the biggest problems that we have in the church world, ladies and gentlemen, one of the biggest problems we have are the big butts in church. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I said it. Big butts, okay? And this is not a moment to sing, I like big butts, because in this regard, and in this context, I don't like big butts. Because where it says right there in verse 28, Numbers 13, 28, nevertheless, that's a but, and it's a big but. Now remember, these 12 said, this is a great land flowing with milk and honey. It's fertile, it's rich, it's wonderful, it's awesome. Look at all this fruit, look at these grapes, look at these pomegranates, look at these figs, look at this, check this out, this is awesome. If they had cell phones back in the day, I don't think they did, but if they did, they pulled up their cell phones, they went to their photo section, and they started showing the photos of the big fat sheep and the fat cattle and the green grass and the flowing rivers and the fish and all that good stuff. I mean, they had a great report. Then they come back, and then after that, they turn on a dime and say, nevertheless. In the modern language, that's but, and it's not just a but, it's a big but. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. So they start. They took their focus off the blessings in the land and now started focusing on the people in the land that they would have to fight for the land. And they're very large. They're very tall. They're giants. They got fortified cities. Oh my gosh. And they 
switched from focusing on the blessings and the promise of God to now what the devil was doing. And I'm telling you, this is a huge problem in the church world today, okay? I know, uh, again, follow through with my podcast and go back and talk about, some are titled, you know, are we in the last days? You know, part one, part two, whatever. Are we in the last days? Things that, listen to them. Because what you'll hear and what I point out is this same type of thing happening in our present church world where people focus so much on what the devil is doing that they forget the promises of God and what God is doing. In other words, they take their eyes off the fruit of the land and the land flowing with milk and honey and the blessings of the Lord, and they focus it on the enemy. Now, please don't misunderstand me. These these Israelites would have to go and face the enemy those enemies. So they would have to put their mind on the enemy at some point in some way. But once that nevertheless came in and they started putting in this negative report, well, let me just show you where it leads to, okay? Uh, so that was verses in chapter 13, Numbers 13, 28 and 29. Now, chapter uh, 13, Numbers 13, verse 30 says this, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are are well able to overcome it. So Caleb began to see the faith in the people, the excitement in the people drop because these other spies, remember there was 12, okay, so these other spies now shifted from a good report to a very bad report. Like, oh my gosh, these giants, they're in the land. Oh my gosh, fortified cities. Oh my gosh. And then Caleb sees that their faith is starting to drop. Body language starts dropping from excitement now to fear the looks on their faces now from from joy to despair and he says no quiet down people let us go right now and take possession for we are well able to overcome it so he understood if we don't go right now faith is going to drop so low that uh, we won't be able to take it the very next verse numbers 13 verse 31 and 32 says but the men who had gone up with him said we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we and they gave the children of israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature verse 33 says there we saw the giants the descendants of anak came from the giants and we listen to this we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. I want to get back to that, but I want to paint you this picture again. Listen, so they're at the edge of this uh, promised land that God says, this is going to be yours. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be wonderful. It's your inheritance. They're at the edge. Moses sent in 12 spies, but don't just send anybody. Send leaders of the people. Send the leaders, the people that have everyone else's ear in their tribe. There's 12 tribes of Israel, so there's 12 leaders who become spies to go out spy out the land. They come back with this great report, at least in the beginning, and they can prove the report by the fruit that they carried. And keep in mind, these 12 men were wandering around in the promised land, the land of promise, for 40 days, picking its fruit, eating from it themselves, but also bringing it back to show Moses and the Israelites what the land was like. But once they shifted to the nevertheless, it started going downhill. And, the, and and this is the part that really gets me in this story. It says, we're not able to go against the people for they are stronger than we. They gave the children of Israel a bad report, uh, which they had spied out saying, the land. Now this is what they're saying. The land through which we have gone as spies. 
Remember, keep that in mind, 40 days. So the land in which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it were men of great stature. Now keep this in mind. Think about this for just a minute. If you were standing there listening to these guys, it was supposed to bring back some type of report, good or bad. I don't fault them for bringing back or bad the um, the uh, uh, the facts, okay, good and bad. I don't. I personally don't fault them. But when they started to shift and bring in fear, I want you to think about this for just a minute. These men, there was 12 of them, were wandering around in the land of promise for 40 days. They had to eat the fruit, carry the fruit, find places to camp, light uh, campfires. Uh, If they needed to purchase something or something of that nature for their trip, they were in there for 40 days. That's over a month. They would have to go find a, a... town or a village to go purchase things from you know walk through there whatever they survived for 40 days in enemy controlled territory they survived for 40 days behind enemy line they survived for 40 days carrying around the fruit of the land i'm not saying that they picked it on the first day and carried for 40 days straight but my point is even when they said okay 40 days is up we're crossing over tomorrow Go grab some of that fruit. Nonetheless, I mean, how fast can two men run carrying grape um, um, clusters of grapes so large it has to be carried between two poles? Where did they get the poles? They either had to steal them or make them themselves by chopping down small trees or whatever. My point is, they weren't just hidden in some cave somewhere for 40 days with binoculars. They were wandering around the land for 40 days. They survived. Nobody killed them. Nobody harmed them. The entire population in that land were enemies against 40 people that made it through there. Fine. Now they're telling millions of of people, we won't survive. We can't do this. They will kill us. I mean, think about that for just a minute. They made it, but they didn't have any faith in the people that they actually led. Think about that for just a moment. Anyways, Numbers 13, uh, um, verse 33 says it all. It says, uh, there we saw the giants. Okay, they saw giants. The descendants of Anak were, uh, came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers. Now check this out. In our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. Let me explain something to you. This wasn't just some ancient truth or we, we, we need to glean from this. We need to understand this because this is human nature. The way you see yourself is the way others will see you, including and especially your enemy. They said we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. Small, insignificant insects. That's the way they saw themselves. And because we saw ourselves that way, they saw us that way. Ladies and gentlemen, how do people treat you? Do they speak down to you? Do they speak up to you? Do they respect you? Do they honor you? When you come into the room, or do they stand and shake your hand with a smile? Do they call you ma'am or sir? Are they, you know, respectful in that sense? Or do they speak down to you? Are they disrespectful, dishonoring? You know, uh, do they blow you off? Do they ignore you? Uh, However they treat you is an indication of how you treat yourself and how you see yourself. Now, there's something extremely important about this entire story, even beyond just that. You see, because remember, Caleb, 
Caleb was the only one that says, no, quiet down, people. We can take this land. In other words, Caleb did not see himself as a grasshopper. Caleb didn't see himself as something small and insignificant. Caleb didn't see himself as an insect. And because he was willing, and he stood up and says to the whole congregation, not just his own tribe, but the whole congregation of Israel, let's all of us go. What he was saying is, I see you all something much stronger than insects, bolder than insects. I don't see you as grasshoppers. I don't see myself as a grasshopper. I don't see you as a grasshopper. And I'm certainly not going to let those uncircumcised Philistines, those giants, those sons of Anak, see me or you as a grasshopper. We are well able to take it. And the other 10 were cowering. They were cowards. No strength in them, but Caleb had strength. Now, th there's something very important about this because let me, let me explain to you something about Caleb. And for those of you who are named Caleb or if you know somebody named Caleb, I apologize for this in this sense. I didn't make any of this up. I'm just telling you what it means. And over time and things, things shift and change and evolve. But, but I, ha I just have to share this with you because it's just truth. You see, the name Caleb from the ancient Hebrew, uh, um, you know, its meaning in the ancient Hebrew literally means dog. And I don't mean like cute, fluffy, companion kind of dog. It means dog. And in the Hebrew, it literally means contempt or abasement, a pagan sacrifice of male cult prostitute. That's what that name Caleb means. It's like dog, but it's in a very detrimental kind of use. So when Caleb's father named him this, he was really giving him a name that was, you know, not very good. So he didn't see, so Caleb's father didn't see much in Caleb as a son to name him this. As a matter of fact, he was naming him basically a male cult prostitute, pagan sacrifice, something that's unclean and wicked. So the, the reason I'm pointing this out, because Caleb was strong enough in his own character to overcome the obstacles of his past, overcome the obstacles of his family, overcome the obstacles of the very name that he carried. He didn't let it hold him down. He didn't let it hold him back. And he certainly didn't let him let it cloud his um, the self-image he had of himself. He refused to see himself as a Caleb, as a dog, as a, as a male cult prostitute, as a pagan sacrifice, something that's abased or, or, or of contempt. He certainly didn't allow himself to see, you know, see himself that way. And he didn't allow him to see himself as a grasshopper. So because of that, he didn't allow the enemy to see him as an insignificant grasshopper, let alone a little dog that had these other connotations. And what's interesting about that name, Caleb, it came from uh, the Canaanites. His family, his father came through the lineage of Canaanites. In other words, he wasn't a direct descendant of um, Abraham, which is also very interesting. So he's in the land, okay, went to spy out the land where his ancestors came from, Canaan. Canaan land. And he bore the name of something wicked that came out of that very land. And he still would not let that hold him back or hold him down. And he refused to see himself in that manner as just a pagan sacrifice or anything pagan, let alone uh, a grasshopper. He refused to allow even the way the other spies saw themselves or him to deter him. And again, he certainly would not allow those giants, the enemy, to see him as a grasshopper or something uh, wicked, uh, abased, 
or insignificant. Now, why is this so important? Because unfortunately, even in the church, so many people see themselves, they have such a bad self-image and they put themselves down, they speak bad about themselves, they speak themselves down, and all the while thinking that they're being humble. If you speak anything about yourself that God himself hasn't said, and you think you're being humble, the reality of that is you're actually being, you are so full of pride and arrogance because what you're saying is, God doesn't know what he's talking about. That's why when people say, I'm, I'm just a sinner, I'm just a sinner, I'm just a worm, I'm nothing, I'm nothing. Really? God says something different about you. Oh yeah, God says something different about you. If you belong to God, if you've been washed in the blood, and if you have been a um, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, washed in the blood, and you serve Jesus, let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. You are not a little dog. You are not a little worm. And you're not even a sinner in that regard. Please don't misunderstand. I know the scriptures. We have all sinned. I'm not talking about you and I being sinners in the sense of making a mistake now and then. But you have passed from death to life. So because of that, you have passed from being sin a sinner to being a saint. Do saints sin? Yes, every now and then we make a mistake. If I smashed my thumb with a hammer, I'm sure some colorful language would come out of my mouth that I need to bring before God and repent of. But I don't go around talking like that all the time, okay? Because as a saint, God has helped me in a big way overcome that type of language. Do I still struggle with it? Maybe sometimes, like I said, if I smash my toe or smash my thumb, Maybe, but not on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians live like that. But uh, you and I are, we are created in Christ's image, in God's image, recreated, if you will, in Christ's image. I mean, he is the image of God, so it's not like a recreation in that sense. It's just you have been born again, born again. So if you've been born again and born of the Spirit, born from above, why are you putting yourself down as if you're still below? Why are you putting yourself down as, as if you're still in darkness? Why are you putting yourself down as, as if you're still in death? Why are you putting yourself down as if you're still hellbound? I don't know about you, but I'm in the kingdom. I'm a, I'm, I am a saint. I am a citizen of God's kingdom. I am purified, perfect, working on it, but I'm purified. I'm walking in righteousness. I'm walking with Christ. I have Christ in me. I am in Christ. He and I are one. I am one spirit with him. I'm telling you everything the Bible says about me. I do not have the right, you do not have the right to see yourself anything less than what God has declared about you. Now, again, why is this so important? Why is this so important? Let me, let me tell you, this is the kind of things that I teach at my church. These are the things I tried to teach. Yes, we teach about salvation. We teach about repentance. I'm big on repentance. I'm big on turning away from sin. I teach on sin, the consequences of sin. I teach on hell. Hell is a place that I don't want to go, so I teach other people, hey, don't go there. I teach on all of these things. But I also teach who we really are in Christ. I teach about who our true identity is so that we can start rising up above it. Let me tell you some of the things that have happened at my church. I don't want to go into great, great detail, mainly for time, and some of the people that I'm going to be referencing, they didn't give me permission to tell any kind of details, so I won't. But at my church, I've been watching. My wife and I was just literally driving yesterday talking about this. I was, um, well, I was with one of the guys at the church. We went and worked out yesterday, and he was telling me some great things that are going on in his life. Great, wonderful things. I, I didn't want to show it, but I was choking up 
I was choking up because I am so absolutely proud of this young man and what is happening and taking place in his life. So many phenomenal things. Why? Because he put his hand to the plow. He's working hard. He's literally, he's serving Jesus. He's working hard, he and his wife, and God is blessing them over and over and over again. And it's not just one person. I'm telling you, most every one of the men in the church, and the reason I'm just telling you about the men, because what, what's been going on at our church is the men have been able to move forward and ahead in such a radical way that many, I'm not going to say all, but many of the women have been able to stay at home and raise their children and become stay-at-home moms, which is the number one most important job on the face of the planet. I know the modern feminist movement and many even in the church will tell you, no, I'm telling you it is, and I know it is because the Word of God shows that it is. So the men have been really working hard and God has been radically blessing them with, with raises and promotions, better pay, uh, better hours. They have been able to allow their, their wives to stay home and raise their children. Now we've got phenomenal children in the church that are respectful, loving, caring, strong. Why? Because mom is with them, not a babysitter, not a teacher, Many of the kids are being homeschooled or some type of schooling like that where mom has a lot of hands-on with them, where dad is working hard and providing for them. And I don't mean just barely getting by, I mean providing phenomenally for them. And I'm, I am so absolutely proud of the men, the young men in our church and the ladies in their church, their wives, and even some of the single moms. Well, all the single moms, they've been making it. They've been doing it. They've been working hard. I mean, I am so elated with them. Why? Because they will ref they've refused to see themselves as grasshoppers. They've refused to give in to what their past says about them. They refuse to even give in when it's a negative situation what their family says about them. They have been able to rise above all of that, push forward and prove to everybody that they are not what even their past says about them. They are not what culture says about them. They are certainly not grasshoppers and they refuse to let their enemies see them as grasshopper. So what happens when they go on the job? They see themselves as fully capable of not only doing the job at hand, but succeeding, moving forward and being the leader, the manager, the owner, the CEO, whatever it is. And they're pressing into that and it's being, I mean, I'm watching this happen and take place right before my eyes. Whenever I talk to these guys, I am so moved. I am moved literally almost to the point of tears. I'm so proud of them. I feel like a proud papa sometimes. I feel like a proud father. And all of my children, whether they be my blood children or my spiritual children, are going far beyond whatever I could, my personal, what I've been personally able to do. And I'm okay with that. I want that. But it also spurs me to push on and, and do even more so that I can leave them with an even greater inheritance, spiritually speaking, but also naturally. So it's been a phenomenal thing. Why? Because at GWCC, at Greater Works Christian Church, and here at Table Flippers, we refuse to see ourselves as grasshoppers. We refuse to give permission to our enemy to see us as grasshoppers. And we refuse to allow culture and society and the people around us to see us as grasshoppers. We are children of the Most High God. We are kings and we are priests. We are the head, not the tail. We are above, not beneath. And we are pressing forward, taking land and becoming everything that God has called us to be. And that is so refreshing because he has called us to become 
great. Thank you again for joining us at Table Flippers. Please check out our merchandise. We have hats, hoodies, water bottles, all kinds of cool things. You can find all of the, our merchandise at tableflippers.com. That's tableflippers.com. And please write me. Please let me know how I'm doing. Write me at gwccrobert. That's one word, gwccrobert at gmail.com. Give me the good letters. Give me the bad letters. Tell me the great things I'm doing. Tell me the bad things I'm doing. I want to hear it all. Have a great day.